Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Cruising with it, terrifying it. In the high slot, he'll dangle. Trocek, cross sides, Aho with a shot off a body, off the bar. Trocek scores! Vincent Trocek! Hey, what do you say? Welcome to Carolina. The Canes win in overtime. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Morning After Podcast. I am Adam Gold and welcome to the Carolina Hurricanes. Vincent Trocek. Yes, it was a good goal. If you watched the game, it was reviewed. Might have been a high stick by Andrei Svechnikov to kept the puck alive. Really, he was the one that knocked it off the crossbar that went over to Trocek. Uh, but at best, the uh, replay was inconclusive. Personally, if you're asking me, and I'm sure you are, or maybe you're not, I kind of thought that it was a high stick. But I'm certainly uh, in... Uh, in concert, if you will, with the referees, that it was inconclusive. There were a couple of, I think they had three or four different angles at it. One of them looked like it was clearly above his shoulder, and the others looked like they were. it wasn't obvious. So I guess we err on the side of what was the goal on the, uh, the call on the ice, and the call on the ice was a good goal, and the Hurricanes get a 3-2 overtime win and they absolutely needed a couple of weird things. First, a reminder, uh, the morning after podcast, the Canes Corner podcast, brought to you by Visiting Angels Home Care of Raleigh, providing the best home care services in Wake County for 20 years, uh, and the Aluminum Company of North Carolina for all your exterior home improvement needs. I'm a client. Okay, uh, let's move on. Hurricanes had two uh, goals reviewed. Carolina came out on the right end of both of those reviews. We'll talk to Kurt Dusterberg from NHL.com in just a few minutes. This was the type of game the Hurricanes have to play and the game they needed to see themselves play. It's not like they haven't done this before. Uh, they were sort of this way in Nashville. I actually thought they were better when they played in Nashville uh, eight games ago. And here's what's significant about that game in Nashville as it pertains to the game this afternoon or Saturday afternoon uh, at the Nassau County Coliseum in that it was the first time since the game in Nashville that the Hurricanes had the lead. That's right. They scored first. How important is that? Let's ask the head coach. Especially because we've been struggling on that. Even if we've played well, we haven't been able to score and get ahead. And it just it just relaxes you. And then, you you know, we have a, you know, a mess up. They get it tied up, but it, it, the game is still right there. It's not, you know, we're not chasing it. And I think that's uh, it's a lot easier way to play, that's for sure. That's no question about it. I can think of the, uh, the Colorado game. I thought Carolina played really well and just made the one mistake, gave up the goal, and then they were chasing the game. And even though they did get it even, they end up losing the game and you fight so hard to get back. And it's just, it just takes one second 
uh, to let that all go away. Uh, Carolina 19-0-1 when they lead after the first period. That should be the strategy going forward. Lead after the first period in all of your remaining games. Uh, coming in, and Rod Brindamore talked about it, it's been a struggle to score the first goal. 12 of the last 15 games prior to the game on the island saw Carolina give up the first goal. Uh, but really, this was a good game from the start. I thought Carolina was good right away. Uh, controlled the play. All the Islanders could do was ice the puck. I think there were two or maybe even three icings the first two or three minutes uh, as Carolina was playing in the Islanders' end. Uh, didn't get a ton of great scoring looks, but they controlled the puck. Uh, and when you we've seen it. You will eventually break through when you are controlling the play. Uh, and again, not much going on offensively until that uh, that Justin Williams guy. Grice will play it. He'll move it. An odd bounce. A steal. Williams, a shot turned out by Thomas Grice. Brady Shea takes it downstairs. McGinnon back of the goal, peppered by Devon Taves. A centering pass off a stick off Shea. Back it goes. Flurry. He scores! Hayden Flurry from downtown. Right underneath the crossbar. Let's watch the net front of Justin Williams. Does he take away the sight lines of Thomas Grice at the lat? No. Clean look. And Hayden just blows it by Thomas Grice. I mean, that was a howitzer. It really was. It was a bomb. Uh, Justin Williams did, in fact, get a... Uh, get the blade of his stick on it to deflect it past Thomas Grice. I'm not even sure he had to, uh, but he did. Uh, and it is his third game in a row with a goal, now five on the year. Um, this was a great play all around. Uh, that line, and we'll talk more about the line in a little bit, the uh, the McGinn-Stahl-Williams line was really good today. Uh, but good pressure from all of them. Uh, but really, there's no goal if Brady Shea doesn't really make a smart play uh, down the left side. Uh, he held the puck in behind the Islander goal. Um, if he doesn't get to it, the Islanders take possession of that puck right there, uh, and then they, they they break out. Who knows, because Carolina had a lot of guys deep. They might not have, uh, you know, could have ended up being an Islander goal. Uh, but Brady Shea makes the initial play. I'm not even sure he didn't get a stick on the... Uh, on the kind of pass out in front by the Islanders as they were trying to get out of uh, get out of harm's way, but anyway, it goes over to Flurry at the right point. Uh, he just lets one fly. It was a bomb of a shot, uh, and Williams, who was coming out from behind the net, uh, either got a stick on it. I guess he did because they gave him the goal. At the very least, he bothered Thomas Grice. Uh, just to give give him something else to see in his peripheral vision. Uh, but again, the goal goes to Williams. Hayden Fleury gets an assist, uh, and it is one nothing, Carolina. Um, only bad part of the first period was an anemic power play. Kane's got a double minor uh, and just didn't do anything with it at the end of the period. First three minutes of the four-minute power play uh, expired in the first. The first... Uh, the the remaining minutes started the second period that was just as uh, snoozy, if you will. Uh, and then the Canes gave the lead back early in the second period, uh, probably, I don't know, five or so minutes in. Anders Lee stripped Brady Shea with the, of the puck 
Uh, he fed Ryan Pollock, and it was uh, 1-1. wasn't a great period for Carolina. wasn't necessarily a bad period for Carolina, but it wasn't great. thought the Islanders carried the play. They had a couple of power plays as well. Matter of fact, the best part of the power play, and you hear Rod Brindamore talk about it a little bit later on, um, the Hurricanes' penalty kill was dynamite tonight. Really, really good. Um, now, it's not that the Islanders didn't have a couple of scoring chances. They did. Uh, but when they did, Anton Forsberg was there, and I thought played really well tonight. Uh, but the, the penalty kill was maybe the best part of the game, and it probably saved them in the second. Right, Coach? Yeah, so that, that's the game for me. And that, that, that sequence in the second period where, you know, they get back in the game, and then, you know, we're on the kill, and it felt like forever. You know, there was only two, and we're, we're blocking shots. And, you know, Jordan got one. We lose a stick. It was just a whole, you know, comedy of errors there for a little while, but we were able to hunker down and, and at least get it done. Yeah, they were dynamite on the penalty kill, and I think that penalty kill uh, that Brendan Moore is talking about when Brock McGinn lost his stick, they were probably out there for 45 seconds with uh, McGinn without a stick, uh, but he, blo- <laughs> he blocked some shots. I mean, you can't play a without a stick shorthanded any better then Brock McGinn did there, and I thought uh, Sebastian Ajo was excellent on the penalty kill. I thought Seabass played pretty well today, um, but I thought his best work was done shorthanded. I thought he was excellent on the couple of uh, couple of opportunities he had to get on the ice uh, in shorthanded situations. Uh, and then uh, six and change into the third, Joel Edmondson with plays on both ends of the ice. Gives the Canes the lead again. It's a jailbreak for Carolina. Out through center, Terabinen drops it. Svechnikov through the slot, Terabinen. Stop! They score! Joel Edmondson out in front. 13-44 left. The Canes rally back and take a 2-1 lead. Really was a great play on both ends of the ice by Edmondson. Uh, Islanders had a great scoring opportunity right there. And uh, Edmondson got in the way, blocked. I think it was a Matthew Barzell shot. Uh, and then they go the other way. And it's like a big man who makes a big, uh, you know, uh, blocks a shot and runs the floor and hoops. Well, that's really what happened because Carolina got out in transition. Uh, ultimately, the puck is with Andre Svechnikov, who carries it into the zone. Uh, a nice sweep pass uh, to Tavo Teravainen, uh, who takes the shot. And actually, Turbo gave the puck to Svech who gave, uh, uh, made the pass back to Teravainen. Uh, and then Edmondson, <laughs> right at the top of the crease alone, uh, cleans it up. Uh, and Carolina led 2-1 and thought, man, this is, the, this is the game they needed. It'd be great to get it in regulation because the Islanders are in front of you in the standings and you, wanna, you don't want to give them anything. But you know, this game always was, felt destined for overtime. It almost seems like these two teams will always play overtime games, although the first game this year was not an overtime game. Carolina won it, I believe, 5-2. to two. They won the next one in a shootout, 2-1. That was the game Williams came back, his first game back when he won it in the eighth round of a shootout. Um, and when Je- Trevor Van Riemsdyk left Josh Bailey in front, it was 2-2. Good play by rookie defenseman for the Islanders, Noah Dobson. Uh, great work behind the net. Uh, but Van Riemsdyk and Gardner just did not did not have it. We'll talk about them in a second. Um, and then with about a minute left, uh, Shea called for tripping Matthew Barzell. Um, but Barzell, about 30 seconds into the power play, was called for a double minor for getting his stuck stick up too high on Jordan Stahl. And Keynes played it beautifully. Essentially wasted the 30 seconds left in regulation. Then the balance of even strength time and overtime. 
before they went up four on three, four forwards out for Rod Brindamore. The SAT line with Trocek, uh, and after Ajo's uh, shot fluttered, uh, I guess it was deflected. Really, I, I'm not even sure it was a shot. It looked like it might have been a pass, uh, but it just kind of it got deflected and fluttered in the air. Svech swatted it off the bar, and Trocek was right there for the game winner, and I want to hear it again. Cruising with it, terrifying it. In the high slot, he'll dangle. Trocek, cross-sides, Ajo with a shot off a body, off the bar. Trocek scores! Vincent Trocek! Hey, hey, what do you say? Welcome to Carolina. The Canes win in overtime. Yeah, it was uh, good for uh, good for Trocek. We'll get to that, uh, get to him in a second. A uh, couple of good, couple of bad for me. Best player on the ice is Justin Williams. I mean, that line was great. McGinn, Stahl, and Williams. I think they drove play all game long. Um, I don't recall any lulls from that trio at all today. Um, they really were phenomenal. Williams, the best player on the ice. He was my first star. I don't know. I was looking at the Islanders, uh, three stars of the game, and they gave Trocek the number one star. Overtime goal. I get it. Uh, but Williams was the best player on the ice, and I didn't even think it was all that close. Hayden Fleury was excellent today. Excellent. Look, Hayden Fleury is probably nothing better than a 5-6 uh, a defenseman, a third-pair defenseman. But there are there is there is some ability there. He's a good skater. He has a heavy shot. He doesn't always make the right play defensively, but he's playing well right now. And I like the combination of he and Brady Shea for the time being. Ultimately, Shea is a better player, and he's going to play. Uh, he's going to play in a top four role here. Uh, but that combination is doing well because they're both good skaters. Uh, and I just like the way Fleury is playing. I thought he played really well today. Joel Edmondson after missing a couple of golden opportunities to score in Philadelphia, I thought was excellent today uh, in, in all phases. He was excellent uh, in his own zone. Uh, he jumped into the play, and he was really down on himself because, I mean, he could have scored a couple of goals in Philadelphia, and they, uh, they might have made him uh, a, a difference in the outcome. Uh, Shea was good again. Um, he's a better offensive defenseman than he is a defensive defenseman, but he's such a good skater. Uh, and I definitely can see uh, the potential for Shea, especially I'm thinking about next year with a, uh, a second line pairing of Shea and uh, Brett Pesci, which, I mean, that's pretty good, uh, especially the way Shea skates. And he's a, I think in this system, it really fits his game very well because he gets to jump into the play offensively a lot. Anton Forsberg, excellent today. Uh, won't be surprised at all if he gets the call in Pittsburgh coming up, or excellent on Saturday, if he gets the call in Pittsburgh uh, at 1.30 Sunday afternoon. Penalty kill, as Rod Brindamore said, I thought the penalty kill was great. I actually thought that through two periods, you could argue that the penalty kill was the best um, situation for both teams. But the Islander penalty kill was uh, really good today as well. Here's the bad, and we'll, we'll, we'll be quick here. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Jake Gardner, they have to figure it out. Uh, they Because they weren't good in Philadelphia, uh, they each played about 11 and a half minutes at even strength today. They were a combined minus three. Um, if You just cannot rely. You can't, you can't have, um, expect, rely is not the right word. You can't expect uh, Flurry to be able to, to maintain this level of play right now. 
these are high leverage minutes that uh, Flurry is playing. You know, it's one thing when you're playing at a five in a five-six situation and you can play 16 or 17 minutes, but Flurry is being asked. He played 20, almost 20 and a half minutes today. You're asking Hayden Flurry, and he played um, almost 20 even strength minutes. You're asking Hayden Flurry to play against some pretty elite players. Now the Islanders are not uber skilled, so you can do it against the Islanders, but uh, uh, TVR and Gardner have to figure it out. Uh, Vincent Trocheck, I didn't think it was a good game for that line at all. Trocheck was playing with uh, Fogel and Natchez. Um, they were kind of invisible to me, but Trocheck turned it all around. You get the overtime game winner. All things, uh, all things look good. Uh, before we uh, before we hit a quick break um, and bring in Kurt uh, Dusterberg from NHL.com, who for some reason does not have Twitter. He's not on Twitter. Come on, you can't you can't cover the Hurricanes and not be on Twitter. Anyway, um, Morgan Geeky, center rookie, recalled from the Charlotte Checkers. Um, so that's interesting. Two things very quickly. One, Jordan Martinook looked like he might have tweaked something. He looked like he was in a little bit of pain on the bench. That doesn't mean he's hurt or anything, but maybe he just took a, sh- you know, blocked a shot and was uh, kind of uh, shrugging it off. And Ryan Dezingle got in a fight today, and as he was skating off the ice, it looked like he was flexing his hand a little bit. But who knows? I know he absorbed a, uh, a big shot, I believe, in the uh, third period. So who knows what's going on there? Uh, but they brought up Morgan Geeky. If he has to play, like with, without injuries, if they wanted to put Geeky on the ice, they'll move Martinook over to the left side, or maybe Martinook play the right side and Niederreiter play the left side with Geeky at center on the fourth line. Um, if you were going to pull somebody out because they didn't play well today, it would probably be Ryan Dezingle, uh, who is just struggling right now. Um, and I know he, I don't know what the, uh, the impetus was for the fight, but, uh, he and, uh, Anthony Bavillier, um, got into it, uh, today, right out, right off a of faceoff. Uh, and Dezingle ended up with an extra roughing minor, I think, cause he sort of instigated the entire thing. Anyway, solid game. We're going to talk about it with Kurt Dusterberg of NHL.com in a matter of seconds. But first, a quick reminder, visiting Angels Home Care of Raleigh, providing the best home care services in Wake County for over 20 years. Call today and the Aluminum Company of North Carolina for all your exterior home improvement needs. They are proud sponsors. I don't actually, I don't know if they're proud. They are sponsors of the Canes Corner Podcast. Kurt Dusterberg, NHL.com, covers the Hurricanes. Uh, man, what do, what do you think the uh, your takeaway from, I mean, obviously they needed to get two points, um, but what's your takeaway from the way they approached the game, what you liked about it? Well, I, I, I'm kind of conflicted on some of this, Adam. I, I think... Um... I think they did what they had to do. I got the sense that both teams were a little fragile offensively from the very start. Uh, one team had lost four in a row, the Hurricanes. One team had lost five in a row. And it almost, I had the feeling both teams were playing five minutes in. I thought this game was going to go to overtime. Um, yeah. <laughs> an overtime win is a, is, a, is a fine thing, except when it's, when it's in conference or in division. But this time of year, when they're the second wild card, um, all you did was make a baby step forward. I don't mean to diminish the win because because they earned it. Um, 
but I'm conflicted because they moved from three points back to two points back, and you really need head to head to win that game in regulation. Yeah, and they had the uh, they had the opportunity uh, late. I thought the last maybe the last ten minutes of the game were the Islanders' it, evenly played game, in my opinion. When you take uh, the entirety yeah. of the sixty minutes, I thought Carolina was the better team in the first period. I thought the Islanders were the better team in the second period, and I thought they divided the third. Um, and maybe the Islanders were the better in second twenty, better in the last ten. Um, but there were. Uh, there were, I thought, I thought a lot of good moments. I thought Carolina kind of gave some opportunities back by overpassing in the game. And when you go back and you look at how they scored, really all of their goals, it was all about just being around the net and being op- yeah. opportunistic. I mean, I'd show them that on the plane to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I observed that as well, and I thought the Islanders did the same thing, giving away. Uh, you know, favor- favorable shots for passes on the wing to guys, uh, you know, who didn't have a, a good angle. And, and so it, two fragile teams offensively. I, I think it's worth pointing out that in the, the Hurricanes right now, uh, what are they, one, three, and one in the past five. And, and for a little perspective on that, those five games are all the games in the post-David Ayers era, right? Since, that <laughs> six, three, since the 6-3 win over Toronto, they are 1-3-1. and one. What's notable about that is they've been outscored 16-9. to nine. Um, You're right. They, they maybe overpassed a little bit, maybe not direct enough. And Adam, the, the other thing I would point out is you've got guys like Dezingle and Stahl and Niederreiter, Trocek until the overtime goal, Martin McGinn. They need... To, to find their way out of their offensive slumps, right? Well, those six guys in regulation produced a total of six shots, one each for Dezingle, Stahl, Niederreiter, and McGinn. Trocek had two, Martinuk had none. You, you've got to find a way out of these sort of things yeah. by shooting the puck and not passing up, like you said, their, their best opportunities. It's north and south. Get the puck on net, see if one goes in, and get a guy like Dezingle or Stahl or Nino uh, off the schneid a little bit as, as far as just not not being a funk, but not quite being right offensively. Kurt Dusterberg from NHL.com is with us as we talk about the Canes. 3-2 overtime win. Here's why I'm not ups- that upset about giving the Islanders the other, uh, the, the, the loser point, if you will, right. is because I really look at Columbus as being the team that Carolina needs to make sure they get first. Uh, so... Uh, two points is two points gained on Columbus. The Blue Jackets will play uh, in Edmonton later on uh, tonight, a 10 o'clock start. Uh, but uh, it, to me, it's two points gained on Columbus before they play, of course, but they have three games in hand on the Blue Jackets. And I do think that rather than just focus on the Islanders, I'm focusing on like the just the number of points. I think based on the way everybody's played of late, the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, even the Rangers, even though they won uh, their last game. I mean, I'm not sure 96 points isn't enough to squeak in the playoffs right now the way everybody is playing. So I'm just looking at that. I'm just looking at accumulation of points. But I want to ask you about the goal, the uh, mm-hmm. the overtime winner. Um, Carolina get a break on that? Um, watching the telecast, I think Trip Tracy pointed out of the three angles they had, the second one looked conclusive that it was played with a high stick. I thought the third one showed if you look at where he is on the ice and leaning, it did not look conclusive. In fact, I think you could almost argue that he might have been below the shoulder. So I, I think it's right. I think it's inconclusive. The call on the, the ice had to be a goal. Uh, 
I'm thinking I'm thinking they made the right call. You think uh, you think any Hurricanes fans uh, just assumed they were going to wave wave the goal off? <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> there were parts of the game that made you think it was going to end badly. Certainly not cashing in on the double minor at the end of. Uh, the first period, and then three minutes into the second period, they had another mine they couldn't capitalize on. When things like that happen, when when uh, when they get the second goal in front of the net late in the third period, yeah, there were moments where, as a Hurricanes fan, you had to think this thing is going to end badly because they didn't take advantage of all their opportunities. I thought the Hurricanes defended well for the most part, minus the the two goals, in which mm-hmm. case there there were some issues there. But yeah, there's always that sense when you're not going. Like I said, when you're being outshot sixteen to eight through regulation. In the last five games, uh, Rod Brindamore has pointed out that this team needs Pesci and uh, Hamilton in there, not just to defend, but that generates offense, too, especially a guy like Hamilton. And guys are just a little off. And so when you're a little off and you've scored eight regulation goals, actually seven regulation goals in the past five games, uh, yeah, there's always that fear that who's going to step up? Who's going to be the guy? Because nobody's feeling it right now. Uh, four forwards were out there on the uh, on the overtime power play uh, with Trocheck in the SAT line, and it ends up being the new guy finally gets a goal. Uh, how? I mean, this obviously goes without saying, uh, but I'll say it anyway, and we can discuss it. I mean, Trocheck was brought here to have an impact. He hadn't had yeah. much of an impact. This has to unlock him. You have to think. That's right, and I think where they're trying to get him, you know, trying to get him going initially, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, wasn't it initially, didn't he play with Svechnikov the first game or two? No, I, I pe- they just inserted him where Hollow was in between oh, right. uh, right. Dezingle and Natchez, and that didn't yeah. work. And he played a little bit with Svechnikov, and then, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're coming into a new situation thinking you want to make an impression and so forth, but it's hard to do when you, when you come to a team that essentially has nine forwards who don't have a lot going, because you're thinking, great, now i got to make something happen on this shift or that shift or mm-hmm. this period before they move me around. Absolutely. I'm sure he was feeling some of that pressure, not to mention the fact that he was playing with Florida, had two years left on a deal, wasn't thinking, wasn't in the mindset of, I'm going to be moving somewhere and helping a team to the, in the playoff chase. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a real burden. I'm sure no one would tell you that directly, but it has to be a real burden to come in in that situation. So, yes, getting that goal is going to make him feel like a contributor, and that might have some uh, overlap into tomorrow where he feels like, hey, I helped us through this, and, and now tomorrow I'm going to have my legs and be ready to go, and maybe I can chip in again. Yeah, look, if uh, they've been looking for a second line to get going, and we can talk about uh, their best line today, which happened to be uh, all the, the old guys and Brock McGinn, um, but the Trocheck line, whoever he's paired with, and I guess they ended the game against, wasn't against, against Colorado, most of the Montreal game, I believe. Uh, they actually was the Montreal game. They they ended with Trocheck centering Svechnikov and Natchez. I don't like Natchez and Svechnikov as as wingmates, uh, but uh, Trocheck getting a chance to play with two high end guys there. Um, but the uh, the I mean they have to find support scoring. And uh, today, to me, honestly, let's get right to it. Stahl, Williams, and McGinn probably their best line. Uh, Justin, I think Justin played his best game since coming back today. Yeah, and I, he had eight shots today. I, just, I was just looking at that a moment ago. Um, 
four or five of them were right at the net trying to yeah. bang pucks in. And, and that always looks good. It's not always a high percentage shot because you're banging the puck into a pad, but you're where you need to be on the ice. Cause if you can get one to flip over a pad, if it, creates a long rebound to somebody else who's in the slot or just off the slot they can pound one into an open net those those kind of plays are invaluable to you and he was there to make them all and it's another way that a guy like Williams who hasn't been entirely impactful look he's had a couple two goal games he had, he had the overtime or the uh, yeah. shootout winners and that sort of thing but a guy like that knows he has to have a role every night in the in the actual flow of the game and creating stuff like he did today in order to be considered a leader at 38 who comes back with 25 games left and says hey i'm i'm here now you have to you have to show people that you're going to contribute a lot after you didn't play the first 50 games and i thought today he was that guy yeah there's no question that there have been i mean look it it would be it would be idiocy to look at kane's twitter and gauge anything uh, but Kane's Twitter had knives out for Willie um, over the you know before this stretch where he's now scored in three straight games and Carolina's gotten mm-hmm. three points out of those games. Um, but he has turned it around. And I talked to Justin a couple of weeks ago about you know just finding his game, figuring it out. And right. you go through this dip, and I've talked to Eric Cole about it, and he said it's just natural to go through a little bit of a dip um, when you're coming back. It's just like uh, you know the start of the season. You go through training camp, and then all of a sudden you get to the, uh, the, the preseason games, and you start the season, and maybe you just get into a little dip because there's just a general wall. Uh, that hit a couple of more things before we go. Kurt Dusterberg from NHL.com who covers the Canes. Uh, Brady Shea, there was the turnover he lost to Anders Lee, which yes. resulted in the first Islander goal. Uh, but overall, what'd you see from Brady today? I, I can't say I was focusing on him uh, all that directly. What I've seen with him generally um Defending is probably going to take a little bit of time, uh, but but I think that's only because when you come into a new system, you're, it's not only that you're in a different system and you defend a little bit differently. You're defending with a different partner. You're defending in front of a different goaltender. Um, I can't speak to the defensive side of the game and what goes into it like Rod Brindamore could. And I I wouldn't even pretend to. But I think defending is the part that comes last. And I would say this. He's known for being a guy. He's a terrific skater. He is uh, a guy who can make a breakout pass. And he reminds me of Justin Falk in the, not the last year uh, when he didn't do so well offensively. Remember, he had the three years in a row where he had 15, 16, and 17 goals. He's a guy who will jump into the play. He will pinch on the back side of the play, on the weak side of the play, uh, and he will create some offense for you. He so did today. You get a guy like, yes, yes, yes. And if, if you can get if you can get a guy uh, acclimated defensively after a time who feels comfortable and responsible that you can rely on him, and then he can get back to the part of the game that helps him the most. And remember, part of the reason he's here is because the puck-moving defenseman with an offensive game was Hamilton. He can replace that element in this lineup. And if he can get comfortable defending and he can be the guy to skate it up ice, make a really good first pass or jump into the play. And he's not afraid to jump all the way down uh, behind the net at times, which is a little risky, but he can do that. I I have a lot of faith that he's part of the answer here. I really do. Yeah, uh, he actually... The he creates the first goal, the opportunity for the first goal uh, by pinching in down low. It gets behind the net, uh, and then it eventually comes out to Hayden Fleury, uh, who ripped it, and Williams did get a stick on it because 
Uh, that was the first goal of the game. Uh, I thought, uh, yes, offensively, Shea's been really good. I think for the most part, defensively, but the turnovers, and we all remember what happened in Philadelphia. I'm sure Shea had a hard time sleeping <laughs> after that, which was just one of those weird right. things. Uh, sure. Final thing, Anton Forsberg, give him another start in Pittsburgh tomorrow. He was really good today, I thought. Yeah, that that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I would think... I would think yes, because when you have two guys up from the minor leagues, um, every start is is a weight on their shoulder. They, they want to prove something, and at the same time, they're concerned about being reliable. So the pressure I think you feel in that situation um, is something you want to avoid. I think I would be inclined to go with the guy who's feeling very good about his game. And after today, I would tell you through two periods, I didn't think Forsberg had to do – he made a couple – good saves in close and that's terrific but a lot of those were where guys were angled off the puck and just had to stay uh tall mm-hmm. on his knees, right i thought in the third period he had to make a couple really tough stops i think the one on uh, josh bailey in the low slot with nine minutes left was huge yeah i think that elevated him a little bit it probably made him walk a little it'll make him walk a little taller the rest of the day i'd be inclined to go back to a guy who was a factor in helping you win well, in the third period, rather than go to a guy who has to kind of gin up that enthusiasm to say, "Okay, I can do this," I, I stick with the hot hand. I do. Yeah, they uh, they went with him back to back, Colorado, Montreal, uh, and then Rod took him out because the team in front of him was terrible in Montreal. And it's a hopefully, great call, actually, it yes, worked out well. And hopefully, that will not happen in Pittsburgh tomorrow. The Penguins are another team in the Metropolitan Division. Suddenly, the Metro is reeling. Uh, other than uh, Washington and Philadelphia, the Metro is just a mess right and now. Oddly enough, the New Jersey Devils, this is worth pointing out, actually, Adam. Uh, the New Jersey Devils are 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10, playing Perfect. very well. Why do I point that out? Because the Hurricanes <laughs> actually have them, uh, is it Tuesday? I think yes. two days from now. No, no, Detroit, Detroit is Tuesday, and then New Jersey I'm, is Thursday. Okay, New Jersey, but New Jersey coming up, and D- Detroit. Yep. Uh, Detroit's won a couple of their last three, maybe. It's funny how that works. You get down to this point in the season, and teams that are out of the playoff race often play a little better because there's no pressure. Uh, so you never know quite what you're going to get. The thing I would point out about Pittsburgh, it's interesting. They had won two in a row, I think. Yep. Over After Ottawa losing six in a row, they won two in a row. Yes, but the teams they beat were Ottawa and Buffalo, if I'm remembering right. And I thought they looked okay in those games. I saw part of those games. But today they lost five to two to Washington. They have something to prove tomorrow. As a result, sure. they they need to get three out of four wins here and make them feel like those that wasn't a mirage what they did against Buffalo and Ottawa. And uh, I, I think it's also worth remembering how hard the job is going to be for the Hurricanes. Pittsburgh is twenty three six and four at home this year. Um, it's it's going to be a challenge, and the Hurricanes mm-hmm. are going to have to find a way to replicate the same sort of game. But as I said earlier, Adam. The six guys I mentioned have to find a way to get pucks to the net and yep. see if one can go in because you can't ride that top line against Pittsburgh and think uh, you're, you're going to score four goals because that's probably what it will take. No question about that. Kurt Dusterberg, uh, when are you going to get on Twitter, dude? <laughs> Come on. I, I'm not on Twitter. Uh, Why not? I know that. Why? When are you going to get on it? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think the world is clamoring for that. No, no. Trip point. Tracy's on Twitter. you got to be on Twitter. Maybe so, right, maybe man. so, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll work on that. Maybe maybe this off season I can I can arrange that. Thanks for jumping but, on with me. Like like I said, there's plenty of people's voices out there who are uh, carrying the mail for for having opinions on the Hurricanes <laughs> right now. Kurt, thank you so much.
Sure. So there you go. We thank Kurt Dusterberg from NHL.com. The uh, the Hurricanes in fairly good shape in the uh, in the standings, if you think about it. I mean, Kane's got a couple of breaks today. Pittsburgh is struggling. I'm not saying that Pittsburgh won't beat Carolina 19-0 today, uh, but the uh, the Pens had lost six in a row, uh, won a couple, lost to the Capitals today. A game was going on right when the Canes and the Islanders were playing. Uh, Columbus is playing late night as we're uh, as we're recording this. It's one nothing Edmonton. Columbus is on a Western Canada trip. They will go back to back Edmonton Saturday night. I believe it's Vancouver Sunday night, and then Tuesday in Calgary, or maybe it's. It's flipped, but the Rangers lost at home to the Devils. Uh, so right now, be uh, with Columbus in action, um, the uh, the Islanders at 79 points hold down the first wild card. Columbus also has 79 points. Carolina's got 77. The Rangers have 76. But keep this in mind. Canes have two games in hand on the Rangers. They'll have three, depending on what Columbus does uh, later on. But right now, two and two point a two-point deficit behind the uh, Blue Jackets and a game in hand on the Islanders. So again, I've been saying this all along, standings have been kind to Carolina. They are fortunate in that regard. Uh, so uh, so there you go. It was a, uh, was a fun game, and uh, the Hurricanes played really well. Love to see them carry that into Pittsburgh. The first of four games in 20 days against the Penguins. Uh, thanks to our our, our uh, sponsors, vis- Visiting Angels Home Care of Raleigh and the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. I am Adam Gold. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast, morning after edition. See you tomorrow night. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.